continuing in our series with the Holy Spirit, uh, praying that my cough will uh, not prevent me from saying what I need to say. Um, <clears throat> when we talk about the Holy Spirit, I find it, I actually find it quite hard to stand up here and talk to you down there. I think it's almost the wrong dynamic. Um, and the reason I say that is because our experience of the Holy Spirit is so individual and so personal and so unique to each of us individually. It, I almost feel it's wrong for me to stand up and tell you, well, this is how it is. Because it's actually different for everybody. So I want to do things just a little bit different this morning. I, I want to frankly share something of my story and my journey of growing up with gifts of the Holy Spirit, trying to move in gifts of the Holy Spirit, and some of the lessons, if you like, that I've learned over probably 40-odd years of being involved in charismatic worship and uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and moving in that way. And I say that, and I, I say that with, with caution because my experience will not necessarily be your experience. You may well have experienced the Holy Spirit in a different way, um, but I'm going to do this in the hope that it will help some people uh, in this journey. We're going to start with some scripture. It's always good to uh, base this in scripture. I believe I've turned this on. Uh, I'll try turning it the other way. There we go. Uh, so, a passage from Romans 12, uh, verses uh, 3 to 8. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and those members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to the others." We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Father, just pray you bless this word this morning. Just bless our time as we consider all that you have done for us. I've said on um, previous occasions here that when I became a Christian, I, I became a Christian very much because the, the logic and sense of the gospel just made sense to me. I, I'm, not a particularly I'm not a particularly emotional person. Uh, there might have been the odd sort of tear in the corner of my, my eye, but that was probably the extent of it. Now, I know that for, for many other people, when you become a Christian, that's an incredibly emotional time. And that's, that's why I say all of our experiences are very, very different. Some of what I say this morning may resonate with you. Some of it you might sit there and think, well, that just, hey, that just wasn't my experience. And that's really okay. Um, and that's why I'd much rather it wasn't me standing up here talking to you down there, but almost us talking around a dinner table, kind of sharing our different experiences. That's what I want to do this morning. If it works for you, great. If it doesn't, then... 
You're a different person to me, and that's no big surprise. But I came into uh, faith because the gospel made sense to me. And uh, it wasn't a terribly emotional thing. Uh, I had a rock-solid faith in, in the gospel, uh, rock-solid faith in Jesus. Uh, and then this kind of Holy Spirit thing happened in the church where I was. Again, I'm going back uh, 40 years now. And there was a whole period where the Holy Spirit got opened up to churches, churches like this, churches like the one I was in at the time. And God brought a whole new wave of teaching about the Holy Spirit. Uh, and we struggled with that at first. P different people had different perceptions. Different people were in different places. We all had to go on a journey, which in many ways we're still on. I wouldn't say by any means we have got this perfect yet. Um, but I guess this is almost the sermon that I would like to preach to a younger myself. If I could preach to myself 40 years ago, this is the sermon I'd, I'd like to have heard. To have just kind of clarified a couple of things from my perception, and again, this, I'll keep repeating this, from my viewpoint uh, about the Holy Spirit. Uh, things that we learned, things that we had to uh, kind of, in many ways, wrestle with. First one is actually quite a simple one. This is for everyone. This is for everyone. And I say that because... Because of my history, because of the, 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 the journey that I was on, I very much experienced the tension in a church as people tried to understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit and some of the misconceptions that were there where some people said, well, this is for an elite few. This is not for me. And um, I was in a church, and I'm sure all churches at the time were very similar, where there was just a kind of a spectrum of expectation. There were people at one end that said, we just want to go with this. Whatever God wants to give, we're up for it. We're going. There was a group of people that said, well, actually, we're quite comfortable with a nice traditional Baptist church with our prayer hymn sandwich, and we're not really sure about this Holy Spirit thing. And there was a whole spectrum of people in, in the middle that said, what's going on? And... <laughs> That was something that we had to wrestle with for actually a long time, looking back on it now. And one of the things that I think that we missed, in a sense, with this, was, was this very clear statement that this is for everyone. There was a lot of people that would write themselves off and say, this isn't for me, this is for the elite in the church. This is for those that have been Christians for 20 years. This is for the, the leadership team, the deacons, whatever phrase or group name you want to put on that. That's for the special few, but it's not for us. And that was something we had to fight with and, and kind of learn. And Paul in his writing seems to time and time again show the common nature of our experience of the Holy Spirit how we are one body. Uh, he says, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, 
I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an ear, or because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an ear or an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Now, that, that verse doesn't specifically talk about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the experience of the Holy Spirit. But it's still, I think, a very pertinent verse that shows the unity that we have to have. The unity that's important as we explore the Holy Spirit, as we move in the Holy Spirit, um, as we all have different experiences. Because that's what, you know, there, there are ears and eyes and mouth and hands and feet. That's what this verse says. And the worst thing that we can do is say, well, I'd rather be an eye or I'd rather be a hand or I'm not part of the body because. There's an enormous sense of unity that comes with the Holy Spirit and with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it may be this morning that there are folks here, maybe you're new to the church, maybe you're, you've been around for a while and this is something that's never quite made it onto the agenda of things to think about. But maybe that, that because I don't think human nature changes much over time. And when we've been doing this series about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I'm pretty sure there are some folks amongst us this morning who say, yeah, but that doesn't apply to me because dot, dot, dot. God wouldn't want to work in me in that sort of way because, well, I'm me. And that's the, that's the lesson. I know it's a simple thing. You know, this is for everyone. That's a lesson that I wish my younger self 40 years ago could have heard. I wish the church I was part of 40 years ago uh, could have heard. God wants to give you gifts through his Holy Spirit. And he wants to you to use them to be effective in your Christian walk. We're saved through faith, not through our experiences. Now, I need to explain this because this is, again, very personal to me. But I think this is the most important lesson that I had to learn about the Holy Spirit. And uh, I'm going to, because of that, I want to, because this is going to be quite a sort of a, a story, this is probably the chunk of what I want to share this morning, my story. I want to base this, I want to land this in scripture first, just so you have a, a, a biblical context for it. We're talking about, uh, there we go. There we go. Now, Thomas. One of the disciples called the twin, you probably know the story of doubting Thomas, uh, was not with them when Jesus came. Jesus has risen at this point, he's come and he's appeared to the disciples minus Thomas. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in, my, in his hands the mark of the nails and place my fingers in the mark of the nails and place my hand in his side... I will never believe. And Jesus is very gracious. Jesus comes back another time when Thomas is there and says to Thomas, well, here you are. Here's the nail marks. Put your hand in there. And when Thomas does that, he acknowledges Jesus. But then Jesus says something very important. He says, have you believed 
because you have seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now let me, let me explain why I, that verse resonates with me. As I said, I'm not an emotional person. So I accepted the gospel because it made sense to me. Okay, we are sinners. We've offended a righteous God. If I offend one of you, then we probably have a bit of a tiff and a bit of a falling out. Okay, if I offend someone in authority, like a policeman, I might face some sort of custodial sentence. If I offend the king, I might face treason with whatever the penalty for that is these days. If I offend the creator of the universe, then that's actually pretty serious. And that's why the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But Christ came and died in our place. He paid the price that I couldn't pay. He died in my place that so I can have a relationship with God. And at 16, 17 years old, I got that. It made sense. But here's little old teenager Ken, not a very emotional guy. I've kind of got that. But part of me does want this kind of emotional experience. Part of me wants God to blow me over. Yeah, you might have seen this, where God has just sort of blown people over, people have fallen over in the spirit. If you haven't seen that before, that can sometimes be a bit scary. The way I, the way I often imagine it is if a doctor is going to do some deep surgery on you, they normally give you an anaesthetic and knock you out. If God's going to deeply work in your heart, then he kind of has to knock you out as well, to just to do that. Now, that works for you. Hey, that's how I see it. But anyway, I kind of wanted this experience. I, uh, Joseph was great in what he was talking about tongues last week. I, I, I very much wanted God to take over my mouth and for stuff to just happen. Because it doesn't work that way. You know, we are in control of the gifts. We start them, we stop them. But, but here's me. I wanted God to invade my body to take me over so that I could have this emotional experience, so that I could almost have some sort of validation of my faith. Now, I wasn't doubting my faith. I believed in the gospel. I had an absolute solid trust in God. I'd accepted the gospel. But I kind of was still wanting God to just knock me over. Does that make sense? So anyway, here I am in another prayer meeting, going forward to receive the Holy Spirit. There were lots of meetings in those sort of meetings in those days, yeah? Um, it was a joint meeting between a number of local churches. Uh, and I'm there, um, I've got my eyes screwed up, I've got my hands clenched, you know, I've got my hands out like this. And uh, one of the youth leaders from the church down the road, a guy called Clive, he, he came up and started praying with me. And he was praying all the right stuff, you know, Lord, pray that you, you pour out your spirit. And after a moment, he stopped praying. And he was silent. And I kind of slowly opened my eyes to kind of see what was going on. And he said, Ken, I remember what he said. I remember the words to this day. He said, Ken, I know you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But right now, your fists are clenched tight. Your eyes are screwed shut. The muscles in your legs are locked solid. A hurricane could blow through this room and you'd still be standing. <laughs> he said, he said, you have to relax. 
you have to relax. Because I was almost saying, God, send this hurricane, because I'm just locked in place. And when you blow me over, I'll have no doubt that you exist. And he says, don't work that way. Don't work that way. You see, part of me was looking for this kind of validation. And it was only as I, I relaxed and kind of unlocked my muscles a bit. And it didn't happen instantly. But, but certainly from that point onwards, God could start to work in my life and bless me and move with, with spiritual gifts. And that's why I say here, this was the, the lesson that I, uh, I very much uh, needed to learn. We can go back one. Why can't I go back one? Oh, there we go. Um, we're saved through faith, not our experiences. If you have believed in Jesus Christ for your salvation, then that is all you need. Now, anything else is a bonus. And what a bonus it is, because I do not want to underestimate the, the power of the Holy Spirit, the assurance that, that comes with being filled with the Holy Spirit, the assurance that comes in moving with spiritual gifts. But I was almost saying, well, I've got my understanding, but I kind of want something more. I kind of want the experience to sort of prove it. Does that make sense to, to folks? Now, I guess some of you, or most of you, are probably more emotional than me, so you don't actually have that uh, big a problem as I do about having a sort of just a being blessed by God. I, I, I still can't have my hands clenched a bit, my legs locked. But this was such an important lesson for me, for me to learn, to, to, to not, not be looking for validation somewhere else. If God wanted to bless me, that was great. If God didn't want to bless me, fine. I'm still happy where I am. I still have an assurance of salvation. So, I don't really know what to conclude to say to you to take from that, other than that, if that works for you, don't feel that. I mean, what can I say? Relax. We've said the obvious things in this series, you know, God doesn't invade our body and take over and start speaking through our mouth and we've got no control over it. I trust we've said all of those things as part of this series already. Speaking in tongues, uh, bringing words of knowledge, moving in spiritual gifts is under our control. We start it and we end it. Fear of getting it wrong. How much can we say about the fear of getting it wrong? When Steve, just a few moments ago, said, hey, we've got a bit of space in the meeting now for somebody to bring something. All you've got to do is come to the front and talk to Stu. I don't think it's a terribly long walk. I don't think Stu's a terribly scary guy. I think the problem is we have this fear of getting it wrong. And I guess 40 years ago, me preaching to a younger self, the fear of getting it wrong was the sort of thing that took column inches in our daily discussions. 
in our trying to unlock and understand the Holy Spirit. I still think one of the reasons that people don't step out in spiritual gifts more is because we have this fear of getting it wrong. And it's probably not something that we talk about too much because we think we know it now. You've probably picked up from what's happened this morning and from other mornings that if you do have a word of knowledge or a prophecy or a tongue or something that you want to bring, we normally ask you to come down and share it with the guy who, or the the people that are leading the meeting. And it's probably worth saying some stuff that you all probably know, but it's worth saying it still, that that's not to check if what you're saying is right or wrong. It's not to check if what you're saying is biblical or unbiblical. It's to kind of just find the right way to work that into a meeting. We have such a small window on a Sunday morning. This hour and a half goes so quickly. And we so easily fall behind our runtime. And if we have... uh, If we've sung two more choruses and the kids haven't yet got out and you've got a word to bring, it may be that the guy leading the meeting just has to say, look, just just hang on to that because we're like 15 minutes behind. The kids haven't got out. We've still got a load of stuff to do. Now, (coughs) in many ways, that seems crazy. Why wouldn't we stay here till one o'clock and two o'clock if God is going to speak to us? Well, the brutal, honest truth is we're Western Europeans. (laughs) And we live and die by the clock. And when it gets to half past 11, your attention span goes from being probably 90% to being 10%. And that's why I will keep an eye on the clock and I will keep an eye on my watch because anything that I'm saying after, well, 20 past 11, because we need to have communion, is just going to go into the air. We, we are not uh, an African culture. We're not a culture that will be here till 3 o'clock in the afternoon hearing all God wants to say. Now, we laugh, but, but that is true. And that is why sometimes we have to very honestly say, hey, there isn't room for that this morning. There isn't room for that this morning. And that just seems so odd when we're talking about a word coming from God. Sometimes there's been a lot of input already. You know, Paul talks about things like if two or three people are prophesied, then you probably don't need any more. Well, what if God has got a fourth prophecy for us? Well, let me ask you this. Well, let me give you a little bit of homework. At two o'clock this afternoon, see how much you remember of this morning's sermon. There's probably not going to be an awful lot. And you see, if, if, if we have loads of input from God, which is undeniably wonderful, God, I think, is gracious and says, you guys can only handle so much. So look, if you've had two, two prophecies already, hang on to those Pray through those. Work through those. I'm going to be here next week. We're going to be here next week. There'll be time next week. 
And so Paul practically says, and he, yeah, read Paul in Corinthians, he says practical things. He says about, you know, if one person's speaking, another person needs to speak, the first person should be quiet. Well, that, that's really obvious, isn't it? But, you know, one of the things about communication I learned, and, well, I learned, but well, I can't say I learned because I never put it into practice, but I heard, um, <laughs> is that when, yeah, I, I wish I could put this into practice, but I don't, is that when we have a conversation with somebody, okay, when we have a conversation with somebody, and they are speaking to us. 10% of our attention is, is, is focused on what they're saying. 90% is working out what we're going to say when they stop talking. Yeah? And so we, we can only take so much. Um, did I get to that verse? No, I didn't. Let's have that verse. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be only two or three at most and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting, let the first be silent, for you can all prophesy one by one, so all may learn and be encouraged. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace." Let me give you three things very quickly that I think will help in addressing the fear of getting it wrong. First thing is you don't have to wait for that moment on a Sunday morning when we're already 15 minutes behind our runtime. Okay? If you feel that God has given you a word or a prophecy, come and speak to one of the leaders before we start the meeting. Just say, look, I think God has given me something for the meeting this morning. And then with that much more chance of working that in, we know that there's a word that's going to come. And if by any chance we're all human, the leader forgets to bring you forward, hey, be forgiving, we're all human. But... If you are looking to grow in spiritual gifts, in prophecy, in words of knowledge, ask God on a Thursday night, on a Friday, for something. It's all too intense here on a Sunday morning when everything's going on. Of course God can give you something on a Sunday morning. I'm not denying that. Of course I'm not. But if you want to move in this area, prep yourself up. Pray about something during the week. Um, Secondly, look for other opportunities to use spiritual gifts outside of a Sunday morning. It might be a, it might be a crazy thing for me to say, I almost dare not say it, but, but this is not always the best environment to move in spiritual gifts. We're just so constrained by time, we've got so many targets to hit and things to do, and that sounds so human and sounds so anti-spirit, but it's nevertheless true. My growth in spiritual gifts didn't really come through stuff that I experienced on a Sunday morning in the church that I was at. It was at the evening meetings that I went to. Uh, the, the other meetings, the joint church meetings, the meetings where we said, look, we're going to pray. We're going to pray for people to receive the Holy Spirit. And because it was an evening, we weren't so time-constrained. You actually had time to hear from God. The very first time I was asked to preach I was in a Baptist church And we had both a morning and an evening service A 10.30 meeting and a 6.30 meeting 
And the pastor said to me, well, you've got a choice. Do you want to preach in the morning or do you want to preach in the evening? I said, I'll take the evening. Didn't have to think about it. I said, I'll take the evening. And he said, well, that was pretty direct. Why was that? I said, because the mornings are just so chaotic. There's these kids running around. There's this happening. There's that happening. On an evening, there's a fighting chance somebody might listen to what I'm saying. I didn't quite say that. But, but seriously, find other opportunities to exercise spiritual gifts. Small groups are a great example. They're a sort of threat-free zone where you can share within a small group. Remember, words and pictures and everything that we bring are to build up the church. Does what I bring build up the church? You know, I said earlier that that our fear of failure um, can sometimes be a little bit extreme. What if I say something, or what if I bring something that's totally wrong? During my 40 years of experience in charismatic worship, I can think of two occasions, two occasions, where something has been bought that the leadership team then had to actually speak into and correct. Just two occasions over 40 years. And that still wasn't because what had been bought was actually unscriptural or unbiblical. It was because simply the person had put too much of themselves into it. Um, now, I don't think I've got the, the verse on the PowerPoint, um, but it said, oh yes, I have. Uh, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. It's, it's, an, it's an interesting verse. Most translations seem to translate this differently. Some verses say, uh, we see in a mirror dimly. Others would say, we see through a glass darkly. And kind of what it means is when we bring spiritual gifts, it isn't, because I said this before, it isn't suddenly God takes over your body and your mouth does stuff that you don't want it to do. There's your intellect and your mind still involved in this. And we prophesy through a glass darkly, through a mirror dimly. Everything we bring has something of us in it and hopefully something of God. And there's a spectrum there. And the times when I've bought things... That in hindsight, I thought, that wasn't quite how I wanted that to go. I had to acknowledge, well, actually, there was a lot of me in that, and not so much of God. And like I say, the two times that I'm thinking of, it was just simply someone had used the opportunity to bring a word to express what was personally in their heart that they wanted to say. And the leadership team had to say, oh, thank you so much for that, but that isn't quite where we as a church are going. And why I say that one as well, because in both those times, obviously, the person hadn't thought to check with the person up front what they wanted to say. You know, there are times when we allow the, free, the freedom for someone to come forward and just say something. Um, now, I say that story because I, if you are not moving in spiritual gifts through a fear of getting it wrong, can I hopefully allay that through saying, hey, just check with the guys at the front. And seriously, if you're thinking, oh gosh, I'll bring something that's unbiblical, 
Well, I've just never seen that. In 40 years, I have never seen that. I've seen people putting a little bit too much of themselves into what they bring, but I've never seen anybody bring something that says, well, no, no, it actually doesn't say that in the Bible. You're, you're wrong. And again, I hope, I trust that we know this in our hearts, but sometimes it's good just to say it out front uh, and to make it uh, apparent. Oops, really? <laughs> well, never mind. Um, <laughs> I think there's a delay on this thing, never mind. <laughs> Gosh, I'm reminded now, I won't say that, I won't go there. Um, so look, there we go. Um, so really, three points, I've got to have three points, but three sub-points, there you go. Uh, this is for everyone, this is for everyone. This is for everyone. I don't know how else to say it other than, this is for everyone. Okay, we're saved through faith and no experience. Now if you've got tons of emotional experiences of God just blessing the socks off you, then Jay, go with that. I love that. Um, if you're a bit like me, a logical guy, uh, you like to dot the I's and cross the T's, then you know, what God does to us is a bonus, and I thank God for it. I thank God for the times he's moved in my life and has strengthened and affirmed my faith. But my faith comes first. A fear of getting it wrong. Share your contributions before the meeting. Look for other opportunities to grow in spiritual gifts. And remember, all of this is for the building up of the church. Let's pray. Father, just pray that you would indeed help us to move forward in spiritual gifts. That you would take away any fear of doing it wrong or being misunderstood. Just pray that you would remind us that you're a God of peace and order. And all of this is for the strengthening of the church and for the strengthening of the body. Amen. Amen. We're going to have communion in a moment, but I guess I'll let Steve and Stuart organise what happens next. Is that, 